So, good morning. We're going through uh, a series of eight talks uh, looking at God's character, what he reveals about himself in the Bible. And this is really important that we, we look at what God says about himself. You know that uh, God made man in his own image, we're told in Genesis. Um, and man has a tendency to make God in his own image. He does the reverse, which he should not do. That uh, we shouldn't be making God in the way that uh, creating a God that we uh, want him to be, but what he says about himself. And that's why we're looking carefully about uh, what he says. Um, so each talk contains the name Yahweh, which is God's name, and then some associated characteristic, such as shepherd, provider, like the one who makes me holy, or my banner. And they are all truths about God, about who who he is, what he's like. And some are names that Old Testament characters would speak out in, for example, naming a place like Abraham uh, called this place the Lord provides and so on. But the, the whole thing starts with God revealing himself and saying, I am. So let's uh, just discuss that for a moment. Early on in the book of Exodus, God revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush or perhaps we should call it a flaming bush. Um, it's never called a burning bush, in fact, in the, <laughs> in the text. Uh, because the awesome thing about it was that it flamed, but it didn't burn up. And having called Moses to go back to Egypt to start the process of freeing his people, uh, Israel, from slavery, Moses asked him, who should I say sending me? And God answered, I am. Tell, tell them the I am has sent you. So God reveals himself in the most basic, uh, fundamental way a language can express itself using the verb to be. And he says, I, he calls himself I am. And so we refer to him as Yahweh, which means he is. Uh, <clears throat> so fast forward 12 chapters. The Israelites have now left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea on dry land. And the, the sea then closed back again to drown the Egyptian army that was pursuing them. And the very next way in which God spoke to his people and revealed his fundamental character to Israel is this. It's saying, I am Yahweh, your healer. Uh, yeah, I am Yahweh, your healer. God knows that we need healing. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and the creation is subjected to frustration. The world is fallen, and we, in our unborn-again natural state, are by nature's objects of wrath. But God reveals his heart at this point, that in, the fun, in his fundamental nature is his desire to bring healing in its widest sense. <clears throat> so, of course, to understand this scripture properly, we need to read what God said in the context, and we're going to look at those verses in a moment. But before that, I just want to remind you of the events in the 12 chapters of Exodus that I fast-forwarded. So, Moses went to Pharaoh, that is the king of Egypt, and said that God had sent him to request that the Israelites, who were enslaved at that time by the Egyptians, be allowed to take a trip into the desert to worship him. And Pharaoh said, no way. And in fact, as a result, he even made their lives worse by demanding more labor from them. And after Moses had demonstrated uh, that 
um, you know, that God had sent him by uh, performing miracles. And Pharaoh was still saying no. God sent a series of punishments uh, on the Egyptians to demonstrate to them his intention and his power. And we know these as plagues, and they were inflictions on their physical environment and later on on the health of the people and the animals. And at each stage, Pharaoh was given a chance to change his mind, but time after time, he didn't do that. So plague followed plague. Um, and uh, very briefly, first the Nile water became like blood, and then the place was overrun with frogs, and then gnats, and then flies. And after that, the cattle started dying. And when there was still no change of heart, God inflicted boils on the people and animals, then sent them devastating hail, swarms of locusts, which have devastated whatever crop was left after the hail, um, and then darkness on the whole land except where the Israelites were living. And without... Um, after further warning, and Pharaoh still said no, God sent a destroying angel to kill every firstborn male, humans and animals. And then the Egyptians finally let the Israelites go. Yet later, they still chased after them to try and get them back again. <laughs> and that's when God showed his awesome power, as I said, in passing, parting the Red Sea so that they could cross on dry land. Okay. So after that, and they had passed through the dry land, and the Egyptian army had been dealt with by the, the waters going back, um, then we're going to join it with uh, uh, the scriptures that follow that. And Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert ashore. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah, which of course means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to, to Yahweh, and Yahweh showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. And there the Lord issued a ruling, an instruction for them, and put them to the test. He said, If you carefully listen, listen carefully to Yahweh, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh who heals you. And then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So after the initial revelation of I am who I am and the name Yahweh, there are three further characteristics that God declares about himself um, that whether we want to call them names of God or characteristics of God doesn't matter because biblically the understanding is virtually the same. And the first of these that he reveals is Yahweh, your healer. <clears throat> so everyone say, he is Yahweh, our healer. He is... All right, now say... He is Yahweh, my healer. A my healer. Do you believe what you've just said? Good, because if you do, then you're simply just agreeing with God's, what God says about himself. That is, what he, that is the truth about him. So what did God mean uh, when he said this? What did Moses and those he passed this declaration on to understand by the word healer? So the Hebrew word is rapha, 
Let's look at both the context in which God said this, and then after that we're going to see how the word is generally used in the Old Testament. So in the context of the verses that we've just read, God references the plagues that he brought on the Egyptians. And in reading those chapters of Exodus, we notice that God protected the Israelites from the plagues that were happening around them. There were no plague of flies in the area where the Israelites lived. Their livestock didn't die, and there was light when there was darkness on, on the rest of Egypt. So the sense we can get from that is that included in God's healing nature is protection against disease. The same is true, actually, in the case of the firstborn. Although God protected them in a a special way, in order to receive the protection of Yahweh the healer, the Israelites had to follow Moses' instructions, which was to kill a lamb for eating and put some of the blood on their doorposts. And when the, the angel passed over their houses, he saw the blood and the firstborn son was spared. And this, of course, speaks powerfully and prophetically of Jesus the Lamb of God, whose blood was shed to redeem us from our sins so that we could be made holy, and Jesus himself would be the firstborn amongst many brothers. Carrying on with about the context, uh, in Exodus 15, I am Yahweh, your healer, also includes God healing the water called Mara, which means bitter. He made provision for them by making what was bad good. So maybe included in God being healer is God providing for his people. His healing for us is part of his provision for us. In fact, there are two other places in the Bible where this word rafa is used to mean making undrinkable water drinkable, bitter turning to fresh. One is where Elisha the prophet performs a miracle at a a village by making the water fresh or literally healed. Same word. The other is in Ezekiel's vision of a river flowing from the temple, for those that are familiar with that, where the river enters the sea and makes the salt water fresh, which, and that word again is the same one, literally healed. So in the passage we read, I'm just going to repeat this a lot, and you'll get used to this, I am Yahweh, your healer. I included the following verse, verse 27, which says, actually I didn't, didn't, uh, <coughs> I didn't fast forward it, uh, forward it on the slides, did I? Um. <clears throat> yeah, then it says, And they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So, again, it speaks of ongoing provision, that God's intention is healing in healing is to live in the good of it for a considerable time. It's not just a momentary period. Um, When God healed the water, he then brought them into a place where there was plenty of water. In fact, even in the account that I mentioned of Elisha healing the water, um, and in fact, he threw a handful of salt into it, just a handful of salt. And he said, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure. Same word again means healed. To this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken, it was a permanent thing. It wasn't just for a short time. So the primary meaning of the word Rapha is physical healing. That is being cured from physical illness. But its meaning is much wider than this. And the word is used metaphorically to mean all kinds of restoration to wholeness. 
So to get a flavor of this, let's look at some passages from the Old Testament, remembering that God has said, I am Yahweh, your healer, and that these shed light on what the Hebrews would have understand this. So part one was looking at the context in which God said this. This is now looking at the word in general and how it's, how it's used in the Bible. Okay, and if any, see, as you read through these scriptures, and I'm going to go through them quite fast, and you'll recognize some of them. Just see which of these are speaking to you. Which ones stand out to you? Maybe God is, is just putting his finger on, on something, saying, yes, I am your healer in this way. So, then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his, his wife and his female slaves, so that they could have children again. For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from receive, conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah, um, again, it's that word that's in bold. I don't think you can just about make out that it's in bold, but God healed him. So same word used in Genesis. Uh, here's another one. When the cloud lifted f- from above the tent, Miriam's skin was, it was leprous. It became white as snow. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. So clearly supernatural physical healing is in sight there. After the whole nation, this will make the men wince. After the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. That's more talking about a natural healing. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Pretty widespread healing of land. Here's another one. May the Lord, who is good, pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. This is Psalm 30. I will exhort you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is one that Jesus quoted in Matthew. Um, It's maybe healing it in a slightly slightly different way. He said, this is a prophecy from Isaiah, and it's when Isaiah was first commissioned to, to speak to the people. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So you see the healing there has, it's pretty deep, isn't it? It's not just about um, you know, about physical healing. 
This next one is from Jeremiah. Return, faithless people, I will cure you. Same word of backsliding. In Hosea it says, I will heal their waywardness. So, here are some of the meanings that we can get from about Rapha. To re-enable female fertility, naturally recover from injury, get better naturally and with treatment, heal physically by divine power, pardon, cover over sin and treat as if ceremonially, ceremonially clean, heal the anguish of the soul, that is the inner being, the whole person in this case, Repair a broken soul, that's um, from the Psalm 147, I believe, um, mental and emotional healing. Restore to a healthy state, morally, mentally, physically, relationships and life circumstances, both as individuals and as a nation. Repair, restore and treat. Remove the tendency to sin. And this is, I've gleaned, there are about 69 occurrences of the word. I haven't by any means... uh, (laughs) taking you through all of them, but it's, it, the word um, has got a, a very wide and whole kind of meaning. So let's have a recap. So God is fundamentally the God who heals. That's what he says about himself, let's believe that. But healing has a core meaning of bringing about recovery from physical illness or injury. But the meaning has a much broader application to restoring mental and emotional health, spiritual wholeness and blessing. So to what extent did Israel experience God's healing? Going back to God's declaration, you might consider there are two parts to it. In fact, that there's an unconditional part, that is, I am Yahweh, your healer. But the conditional part was that to enjoy the benefits of God's nature as a healer, they had to listen carefully to Yahweh your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands, and keep all his decrees. And in Deuteronomy 28, before they entered the land that God had promised, Moses sets out a series of blessings and cursings. In the first half of the chapter, there are some fantastic blessings for following after God and keeping his ways. And in the second half, although it's more like two-thirds, in fact, the, um, then Moses sets out all the curses that will come, uh, come upon them if they turn away to God and start worshipping other gods. And they are really terrible things. And if I read through that, they are so bad, I couldn't even contemplate wanting to even go anywhere in that direction at all. It's unthinkable that anyone would allow their life to go that way. And yet, as Rich read out to you from the book of Judges last week, it's in Judges it says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who neither knew Yahweh or what he'd done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the sight of Yahweh and served the Baals. They forsook Yahweh, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them amazingly, they chose the second half of Deuteronomy 28. And as a result, many of the curses that have been promised became a reality because God keeps his word. And yet, God's healing character and his nature shines through 
the whole of the long story of Israel and the way back to God and receiving his healing for them was always repentance, wholeheartedly renouncing the ways of disobedience and idolatry, turning away from them and turning back to God. And he held out his hands to them again and again. Um, And his heart was, he so often expressed through his prophets uh, that what he wanted them to do. Here's just a little bit from Isaiah. This is what the sovereign Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground, and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. God longed for them to turn back to him, and the blessing was never that far away if they turned back wholeheartedly. So that is <laughs> that's the story of Uh, of Israel and what happened to them, their response to God in his revelation of God the healer and their experience of it. What about the New Testament? What about about Jesus? Because if God reveals himself of something in his character, then we would expect Jesus to show that character, wouldn't we, in some way? How did Jesus show this characteristic, or if you prefer, manifest this name of God? Well, of course, healing people and setting them free from demons was a major part of of Jesus' ministry. He spoke about the kingdom of God um, and demonstrated its presence in himself by many healing miracles. In the Gospels, there are 25 distinct healing miracles that are described in detail, including three people that he raised from the dead. Um, Can we, just uh, from your memory, just... Call out any miracle that occurs to you that Jesus did in terms of healing people. Lazarus, late raised from the dead, yes? Yes, man healed from leprosy, yes, or even ten men at one time, yeah. Yes, he had a woman from bleeding. Bartimaeus, the the blind man, yeah, on the the road near Jericho, yeah. Any, one more? Yes, the uh, paralytic man that, uh, where his mates brought him and then uh, <clears throat> made a hole in the roof. We never heard what the house owner thought of that, but, <laughs> but it was a fantastic story. Okay. Do you know as well, though, that, it, that those are 25 uh, things that are actually said in detail, but I had a quick uh, run through, and I counted somewhere between 20 and 30 times in the three synoptic Gospels where it... it makes a general statement, something like, uh, all that were brought to him were healed. That, that people came to Jesus and they were healed. And they, they're not named. And it says things like, news about him spread all over, all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them. And there are many, many statements like that. It was a major, major part of Jesus' ministries. And these are all demonstrations of the presence and the advancement of the kingdom of God. At one point, John the Baptist, who had prepared the way for Jesus, arrived 
uh, who, who prepared for Jesus' arrival by baptizing people and preaching the need for repentance and predicting that one much mightier than he would come after him sent his own disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Now, Jesus could have simply replied, tell John, it's okay, I'm the one. <laughs> I'm the one that you've been waiting for that you were prophesying about, don't worry. But instead, how did he answer him? He said, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. This is the presence of Yahweh, your healer, amongst you. We know that Jesus did many miracles of healing to demonstrate the truth of his message that the kingdom of God is here and that people must turn to God for forgiveness of sins. But we also see in him a motivation of compassion for those that are suffering. It wasn't just a sign. Um, there was actually a desire. He says, I love that story of in, um, where a... Uh, someone comes up to him and, and says, I think it was a man who had leprosy, actually, uh, and it, he, he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And God says, Jesus says to him, I am willing, be clean. Another example, which I think is only a mark, but it is the man at Bethsaida, uh, and he was blind, I think, um, and he led him outside the, Jesus led him outside the village and he healed him and he sent him home rather than go back into the village. Jesus wasn't looking for publicity. He had compassion on the man. And there are many examples like this. So Jesus demonstrated Yahweh, your healer. Yet, yet we have seen, when we look at the scriptures, that the word for healing, Rapha, covers far more than just physical healing from illness or disease. I believe that the healing character of Yahweh that he declared back in Exodus 15 is expressed not only in the availability to us of physical healing, but in the complete work of Jesus on the cross to free and redeem us from the curse of sin so that we can be holy and blameless in his sight, adopted as his sons and daughters, filled with the Holy Spirit and given an inheritance for eternity that can never perish spoil or fade. One of the scriptures that I didn't cover when I flashed them up earlier was Isaiah 53. Let's have a quick look at some of that. This is very familiar to many of you. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows or suffering, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we're healed. Now, Matthew's gospel relates the first part of that passage, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, to Jesus' healing and casting out demons. So, in Matthew 8, it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. But Peter, in his first letter, and I'm going to take the other part of that passage, um, 
and he quotes from various parts of, or alludes to various parts of Isaiah 53, um, including this same passage. He says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have turned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So, the scripture in Isaiah 53 regard, <coughs> sort of regarding healing is fulfilled both in physical healing and the forgiveness of sins and restoration to righteousness. Let's go back to our recap. Okay, I haven't got a slide for that, so I'm just going to read it out. <laughs> God is fundamentally the God who heals. Healing has a core meaning of bringing about recovery from physical illness or injury. But the meaning has much broader application, as we've seen, to restoring mental and emotional health, spiritual wholeness, and God's complete blessing. And then lastly, God has brought about his restorative healing in its widest sense through the work of Jesus. So earlier I spoke about the unconditional and the conditional. The unconditional, if you remember, was this God saying, this is my character, I am Yahweh, your healer. But the, un the sorry, that was the unconditional part. The conditional part was that in order for Israel to experience that blessing of God, God's healing character, they had to listen carefully to Yahweh, do what was right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees. Not a small task. But for us, Jesus has fulfilled the law and paid the price for our sin and redeemed us from the curse of the law, the curses of Deuteronomy 28, so that the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 could be ours in Christ. And that's why Paul says to the Corinthians, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. <clears throat> Grab hold, grasp hold of this bit. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The blessings now working of the healing character of Yahweh are ours in Christ. If there's any condition attached to it, it is simply that we need to receive it and accept it in faith. So, what should be our response as a church to all this if we grasp hold of these truths? So firstly, it's to agree with God. God does not lie and he's revealed his character. I am Yahweh, your healer. The second part is to respond to him in the deep restoration work that he's begun in you and will carry through to completion. But we have to walk, in it, walk with him in it and we need to respond to him in, in faith and cooperation. The third thing I want to bring, though, and this is just kind of just talking from the heart, really, is that we need to go on a journey with regard to our experience and expectation with regard to physical healing in this church. Um, we know that the healings of 
miracles of Jesus didn't stop when he died and he rose again and ascended. In fact, he said to his disciples, you will do greater things than these. And we read of many healings in the Acts of the Apostles, like the crippled man at the temple gate, um, and then Ananias laying hands on Saul to be healed of blindness, Aeneas in Lydia, Tabitha or Dorcas in Joppa, and then the healings God did through Paul, the man lame from birth at Lystra, Eutychus, who fell out of a window and was raised to life again, and the many healings that took place at Malta when he was shipwrecked. Uh, It's not hard to find modern-day testimony of God healing people miraculously today. Healing, I believe, is both for believers and unbelievers. Um, So we've talked in the past of being a worshipping community, but I'm painfully aware that among us there are many people with long-term illnesses, and the degree of healing we see amongst us seems to be very limited. And for a while, I've had, a, had it on my heart to have a, a get a group of people together uh, to look into it, to seek God together, to de- determine how we can raise the level of understanding and expectation of healing in the church so that we can take significant strides in this area. Um, until now, I've never felt a green light to go ahead of, with it and announce it and get going. But now, I do want to do that. So if in you, there's a sense of, yes, I want to be a part of that. I want to commit to that. Then please come and see me, and let's work together to see change. And I'm not saying just come if you think that healing is a great thing and you'd like to see more of it, because everybody wants to see that. I'm saying if there's a hunger in you, if you've been seeking God about this, if you're crying out for it, for it and the Holy Spirit is prompting you, Uh, then let's get together, let's work together, then let's uh, pray together. Um, I don't have a particular time slot in mind. It all completely depends who comes and and availability and everything. Um, And it's something that we would probably need to work on over several weeks, if not months and years. But uh, let's let's do it. Let's, uh, Let's move forward in that area. Lord God, we thank you for your revealed will, desire, and character in saying, I am God, your healer. I am Yahweh, your healer. Lord, the first thing we want to do is to acknowledge that and say, Lord, we want to agree with you. If there's any part of us that says, no, he's not, or I haven't experienced that, or, uh, and rejects it, we want to reject that part, and we want to say, Lord, I accept that you are my healer because it says so in your word because you personally said that. Yeah. And Lord, we pray that that uh, these truths and all these scriptures that we've read would would go deep into us. And Father, by your Holy Spirit, that you would work them into our souls, that they would become uh, part of us, they would become part of our experience, part of our expectation that and that by, by your grace and by your spirit, you would give us faith. Lord, you would reveal your word. You would speak your word into to our hearts, Lord, that we can uh, take forward steps and see the amazing healing that you have for us as a body of people. Amen.